0: Well, downtown church is good to be here with you this morning. Uh, can I get an amen? amen. Hey, hallelujah! Well, brothers and sisters, we're going to be in First Corinthians one twenty. First um, 1 Corinthians 1, uh, twenty six to twenty. I mean, to thirty-one. Uh, while you while you turn there, I just want to boast about my wife. She has been uh, a, a trooper these past few months. See, we're about seven months pregnant, and uh, she is just she's carried this this my son who uh, we hope to be six four and two hundred and fifteen pounds playing for the Miami Heat, small forward able to guard one through five, somebody like LeBron James. Um, but she has been wonderful, and, uh, and I thank God for her. She's been, she's been a prayer warrior for me. Uh, we have definitely enjoyed our time here at downtown church. Um, and, and I feel like you guys are sending me off to be a missionary as opposed to anything else, right? To go over there and show them what the gospel is about, right? Um, at Second Presbyterian Church. Uh, but we have spent all of our time with... My wonderful community group, which is the Binghampton Community Group. I think that's the best community group here at downtown church if you're looking for one. All right? All right? Uh, hey, while you turn there to 1 Corinthians 1, 26-31, let me give you a little background. Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. From the Corinthian church, they're kind of pried for it to a certain extent. He was on a missionary journey there, and he left to go to Ephesus. And when he went to Ephesus, he wrote them uh, two letters. Uh, and when he wrote these letters, he, he was trying to, to to correct the church and bring the church together. You know, they had some issues with unity. They had some issues um, inside the church with morality. And he had, to, he had to smack them around with this letter to get them straight. But... The whole thing is, and where we're going to be in 26 through 31, he's talking to believers. But in the previous couple of verses, 18 through 25, he's talking to non-believers. You know, you see where he talk, He talks about. But non-believers seeing that the, the cross is being foolish. And at this time, wisdom and hum, human wisdom was huge for them. And, and, and philosophers and, 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 different, and different discerners will come around to, to tell them different things. And so the whole, the, the, their whole premise for, for being Christians is because they believe in the cross. But, however, they've, they've entertained these different philosophies and, 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 term, and, and different wisdom uh, Wisdom literature by other people. And so now Paul is trying to encourage them to say, hey, listen, you're in Christ and you need to believe in that. All right? Let's read. 26. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to uh, worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Pray with me. Father, we bless you and we thank you for your word. Your mercy and grace has been good to us. We thank you, Jesus, for bringing us here to worship you, to hear a word from you, so, God. So hide me behind the cross. Allow me, Jesus, to hide in your shadow and let you increase above all things. Let us exalt you this morning. I pray, God, that uh, those that have ears, let them hear, Lord. And we pray all these things in your dear Son, Jesus' name. Amen. So, when I was in high school, I played football. I went to, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. If you don't know anything, I'm from University City High School. Uh, if, you, if you know anything about University City, that's where like the St. Lunatics and, and Bernard Gilkey and, and all those guys come from, right? Um, so I, my, my football team, we were pretty cool. We were a pretty cool football team. And I had one guy, he was, my, he was a really good friend of mine, uh, James Taylor. Uh, I'm giving give him a fake name. He was about 6'3, 220 pounds. I mean the dude ran a four four forty in the one hundred he ran a ten one all right, and he was a tailback, so imagine in tackling this dude and i 'm only five eight or you 're only five nine and so he he, he he had a choice to go to any top university Division one schools were talking to him when he was a sophomore in high school he was just the, he was the protege for what what you want your running back to look like right and so All the, all the while, he, 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 he had incredible stats. He was, he ran for 300 yards in one game, one season, 2000 yards, and, and then he had close to 20 touchdowns. I mean, the dude was a freak of nature. And so, a whole time people were just boasting in him and telling him how incredible he is, and not 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 one time did he he talk about his teammates or, or say you know what if it, it was it was for my offensive line. But instead, he would he would bash them and he would boast about what he was doing. In fact, there were several times he would just walk in the middle of school, take off his shirt, and start doing pushups and yell football. I kid you not, right? The dude was he was ridiculous, and so. He, got, he finally got He got the scholarship that he wanted. He went to the top university. And the, his sophomore year in school, he blew out his knee. He could never recover. His whole dream was to go to the NFL, be famous, make money, and not have to struggle anymore. As long as he could be self-sufficient, you know what? Everything was going to be all right. And when that went out the door, what happened was that he could no longer boast in his own abilities. He didn't have them anymore. They were, they were taken away from him. So, you know, instead of saying the, the typical Kevin Durant, or not the typical Kevin Durant, which was a wonderful speech, but you see he boasting in his teammates. He didn't, he didn't say, you know, thank God for my mother, or thank God for, 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 for the people that are around me, my teammates, or my friends that, that helped me. None of that. He had taken all the glory, glory for himself. There are times when our self-sufficiency fuels our self-centeredness, just like James. But the thing is, it leads to self destruction and so James strived to go to the NFL the NFL was his savior he felt like that he would have everything that he needed if that were the door he walked through some of us here today feel like if we just had enough money or we just had the right career that everything would be all right or in fact some of us have the right job some of us have financial security but it's not enough See, brothers and sisters, what I want us to see this morning that Paul is talking to, to the Corinthian church is that we have to boast in something because we long for something. And just like we prayed the Lord's Prayer that for thy kingdom to come, that's what we long for, for something to be completed, for something to be finished, for something to be done, and that is the finished work of Christ. So we groan, like Romans eight say, with all the creation, for the for for the longing and the hope that we have for Christ to come and His kingdom to come, to save us, to fulfill us, of that burning desire that we have to to want to do everything on our on our own or, or or to look to ourselves. So three points where I want us to see is that Christ was crucified for a reason, and that's for us to solely boast in Him. And the first point is for us to respond to a call to humility. The second point is for us to, to, to be used for His glory. And the final point is for us to glory or boast in the Lord. So our first point is that for us, for, to, recall, to, for us to respond to the call of humility. The question is, why is the calling important? Because it's not just a vocational or professional calling. This is not just a calling that, that, that you know, you, okay, you know what, I'll take this job or I'll take this offer. It's not that. It's a call to be humble in Christ. It's a call for us to straighten up. Look at Look how Paul tells them. He says, for consider your calling. This can be an indicative where he's just saying, hey, look, look, at, look at the calling that God has given you. Or it can be a command to stir them up to say, listen, you're being sluggish. Consider the call that God has given you. Because what does he say next? He said, not many of you were wise by worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were, were of noble birth. So, number one, you didn't have a good family with a lot of money, nor did you have any reason on your own to, to, to give anything to, to your own self to, that would be substantial. Nor, um, nor were you, did you have the mental or intellectual capacity to think for yourself. But listen, he says not many. Therefore, he means there were some that had that. So there were some that did boast in themselves, and, and these guys, they didn't have a reason to boast. So what does he do? He redirects them to show them that your, your social status shouldn't be your resume. And that shouldn't bleed over to your spiritual status. Because Christ, dying on the cross, has established that by, the gra- by His grace. And so when we see that, what is he saying? What, what he's saying to them is that, you know what? It's no longer about you. It's about what he's done on the cross. In verse 30, we'll get down there to a loop in a little minute. He says, it's his righteousness, it's his sanctification, it's his redemption that you must boast in. Scholars say that the cross not only goes backwards for our wrongdoings, <laughs> So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, it's not that we pray for those debts to be f- forgiven for the wrongdoings previously, but it's also forward. Those things in the future. And so we, when we realize that and we recognize that, just like the Corinthian people, we don't, we don't hold to any type of philosophy or today theological view as if, it, if as if this is not substantial enough. What we hold to is that the cross is everything that we need. Look at what Paul says in verse 17. He says that for Christ did not send me to baptize, to, to, um, to baptize but to preach the gospel, not with words of eloquent, not, not with of eloquent words, lest the cross be what? Emptied of its power. If I'm standing here right here, I'm standing here before you today. A couple of weeks ago, I just graduated, walked across the stage with my masters of divinity. You can't tell me that I don't. I would be lying if I'm sitting here saying that I wouldn't want to impress you by doing theological acrobats, as I would like to call them. Or trying to show you that I know covenant theology. Or trying to show you that I, I, I understand the Reformed tradition. I would be lying if I didn't want to boast in myself to impress you. To get a pat on the back after the sermon to say, Mike, you did a great job. But see, all of us struggle with that. We want to use the platform that God has given us to boast in ourselves. But what He is saying to us is that we don't use the platform He's given us to boast in ourselves. We exalt Him through it. So it's not about my resume. It's not about your resume. What it is about is what Christ has done on the cross for us to look at the cross and not bow down on a knee or not lie prostrate before. What we see a holy and and, and a righteous God and what He's done for us is to be prideful it's to totally nullify the fact that Christ was crucified for a reason and that reason was for us not to rely on ourselves because that becomes overwhelming (laughs) you know what you you, you ever been at the computer at your job and you're just like why am I here I'm frustrated I'm dealing with the same boss or or, or, you know what you're not being paid enough so what happens you 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 look to your own intellect, you look to your own resume, and you 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 look to yourself, and, and you and you stop looking to God. Brothers and sisters, boast in the Lord. Our next point is that we are used for His glory, for us to be used for His glory. There's a friend of mine who told told me the story of the child, their upgrowing, up and, and that, that, that was that they watched their mother beat. They watched their mother be beaten every day as a child. You're not supposed to see that as a child. And so they walked around the house frightened because they knew that at any moment their father can snap and just smack them across the face. So this person never really wanted to share their story, but once they did, the beautiful thing is God began to get glory through it, not only just amongst believers, but amongst non-believers. Non-believers. Brothers and sisters, what God uses, He uses the most shameful things in our lives to bring Him the most glory. In verse 27-28, through 28, He says, I use the foolish things to shame the wise. I use the weak things to shame the strong. What he's telling us is that it it goes against the whole human paradigm of, you know what, you have to have uh, the right person, you have to have the most skilled person, you have to have the most powerful person. This individual has to be at this level, this individual has to meet these requirements. Paul doesn't say that, that the Lord goes by that paradigm. In fact, it's the complete opposite. Paul says that, and he emphasizes that, that we're used for His glory. We're used. We're, we're 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 chosen for a purpose. That's why we chose us. I think about every time I used to play pickup basketball, or when I play pickup basketball today. You know what? You hate to. You you always say, "Hold on." You see that one guy who has like the arm sleeve and he has like all of the extra gear, but he's never played organized ball, and like he 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 walks around kind of like doing all these cool layups and everything like that, and then so. They pick him, right? And then you're like the last person they choose. And you're just like, wow, like, mm, I, why, why did I have to be that guy? Right? But listen, God, God chooses the scrubs to be his starting five. He doesn't choose the, those that, that look fancy. He doesn't choose those that look, that look like they can do it on their own. He uses those that are, that are poor and weak. You know what we've struggled with since Genesis 3? We struggle with what the serpent has said to us over and over again, and that is, you can be God, you can be God, you can be God. The Messiah complex has plagued us over and over again, just like them, because they felt like as long as they had some human wisdom, as long as they can he- adhere to what the, that was tangible at the moment, that, that would be that, that they would have some type of control over their life, that they can use it for their glory. But they were being used. For God's glory. So this is the struggle with self-sufficiency. He chooses the foolish, the weak, the lowly, not for us to be God. He chooses us so that we won't pervert the cross. That we won't pervert the gospel. He chooses us so that we can proclaim the gospel to other people and it not be about ourselves. So what's on, the, on display? God's glory. God's glory. Through us. Through broken people. Over over and over again, we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God uses broken people for His glory. Look at Abraham. He was a pantheist, but God used him to be the father of nations. And then we see Moses, who had a speech impediment, didn't think that he can talk to people at all, but God used him to lead the children children of Israel out of Egypt. And then we see the the disciples over and over again. They've been deemed as lazy and hard-headed, but God used them to carry the gospel out to nations. And then we see Paul. Who persecuted the church. Killed Christians. God used him to reach the Gentile people. Brothers and sisters, if we were to look at this in modern day, God can use a kid from the foot homes to be a lawyer or a doctor not for his own glory, but to come back to his community and serve in his community to show how the gospel has redirected and redefined his life God can use a kid from East Memphis who had all of the privileges right in front of him to sacrifice, to sacrifice what would be a promising future to serve in under-resourced areas why? not because he, wants to seek, he or she wants to seek their own glory, but what do they do? they serve just God. So they want to serve us. That doesn't make sense. Right? I think about Richard and his story. He's told time and time again of how when he was debating on going to seminary and his dad told him, You know what? You should probably be a lawyer. That's more money than that. And so he didn't think that that was the logical thing to do, but Richard, he he took heed to the call. And when he did, we just... I I want you to turn around and look at this place. Brothers and sisters, we are here because how God has used Richard for his glory. I want you to look at your life and think about how God is using you for his glory. Changing your perspective on how you see it just as a means of income to a means to glorify God. So God is showing that He uses, He's showing that He glorifies Himself not through the humanity of, of, of our society. And it goes back to, to, to 1 Corinthians one eighteen, where He says they see the cross as foolish. Well, look look at it now. It's not foolish when God gets a hold of you. You're not foolish, and the decisions decisions you make are not foolish once God gets a hold of you. Point three. For us to glory or boast in the Lord. What is the purpose of boasting or glorying in the Lord? Well, look at the previous verse. Paul says that, Corinthians, you were nothing, but now you're in Christ. You were nothing, but now you were in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? Well, 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17 says that, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So being in Christ is far more than just than just you, um, you you coming to Him, but it's it's what He has changed in you and how He's made you to glorify Him. And so what do you do? You boast in Him. That's why when we look at what Paul talks about the wisdom of God. What it does is, it changes us because we recognize that a Christ that had everything, look at the pre-incarnate Christ, who had everything, the King of glory comes and He humbles Himself to be amongst poor people. To be, to, to, to be amongst people that are broken and that are outcast. And what do they do? Time and time again when we see in the Gospel, they glory and they boast in the Lord. What we see, what, 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 we, what, what people often see as foolish, weak, and despised, now are righteous, sanctified, and redeemed. <laughs> Righteousness being acceptable to God, and we're in Christ because, uh, uh, and, and we have sanctification, because now our uh, unholy nature has been changed. Why? To serve a holy God, and now we're redeemed. Remember, we long for something. Remember, we groan for something. We groan because we're held in the bondage of sin, but Christ died so that we may not, we may not groan anymore. That we may have a hope that is far greater than us. That is something to boast for. Paul is, if you know anything, Paul is quoting the Old Testament prophet in Jeremiah 23, Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24. And he says, he says this, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For these things I delight, declares the Lord. So boasting means to forsake Our own independence and clothe ourselves in love, justice, and righteousness. To clothe ourselves in in, in sanctification and redemption. Single guys, I'm going to give you this one for free. Pay attention and listen closely. You may not have understood what I did at the beginning of my my sermon. But I complimented my fine, gorgeous, beautiful wife. Huh? Guys, if you ever, your husbands, you know, if you ever leave out the house and your wife just has a sweatband on, I mean, a bandana on, some sweatpants, you still got to tell her how fine she is. Because if you don't, you may be in trouble. That's how you earn brownie points. Just as much as she, as she wears that, that dress that's fine and y'all going out to dinner and you, and, 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 and you just tell her, baby, you look gorgeous. In your own way. What you're doing is, you're boasting in your spouse because you understand and you know them. And so the intimacy becomes more than just physical, but the intimacy becomes something that she is able to connect with, or he is able to connect with on a level that is greater than the physical. <laughs> so you, you, may, you may say, what, is that? what does that mean? About it. If you're communing or if you're praying with God, your language changes because you're boasting in Him. Right? It's, it's not the same, it's not just you have a casual relationship and you guys, you're just kind of dating Christ. He's just on the side. He's just He's just one of your side things. That's not the thing. When you boast in someone, you engage fully and you, you embrace fully in them. And so what it does is you alleviate. You alleviate your own independence. Why? Because boasting in Him means that you emulate Him. You become more Christ-like. You walk with Him. You talk with Him. You, you People begin to recognize that you look like Him. Some, some of you guys have just gotten married. And, and so you know, like, you can't... People say, man, you change. Like, you may have taken on some of the, th- the things of your spouse. Because of the intimacy and relationship that you have. Brothers and sisters... We have to live a life that boasts in the Lord. One of my favorite stories, and I'll end with this, is that the story of Abraham. And Abraham was the father of nations, right? And when, when the Lord said he would bless him with a son, what happened? Abraham felt like, you know what, I need to take matters into my own hands. I'm about 99 years old. I'm getting old. I probably, I don't, I don't have it like I used to. And what does what is, what is he and Sarah come up with? You know what? Conceive, conceive a child with, with Hagar, my, my maidservant. And then, when they conceive a child, God doesn't bless that, but then He blesses Sarah's womb, and she has a child, Isaac, but God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son. And when he, when he, when he think you know, you, you think about it, he's like, wow. Is oh, okay. And he does it. He goes through with, sac- with the process of sacrificing his son, and right before he stabs him, in the heart, to sacrifice him, God stops him with a ram in the bush so mind you the story is Abraham felt like he can take matters into his own hand and so he had Ishmael but then God blesses him with Isaac but guess what God says that I was just seeing you would follow my command. Because then, what, is, what does Abraham do? He boasts in the Lord by saying, God will provide when he's seen a ram in the bush and he didn't have to sacrifice his son. We feel like we have to sacrifice things. We feel like we have to give so many things up. But we, all we have to do is to respond to the call of humility, be used as a tool of his glory, and to boast solely in him. So then we will have Christ's dependency. And we, have, we will be Christ centered and it will permeate from our very being pray with me Father I bless you and I thank you for your mercy and your grace and all that you've done for us we pray God that we live a life that is Christ exalting we live a life that magnifies you through everything God I pray that as downtown church as brothers and sisters in the faith we lock arms to proclaim your name together and we boast in you through everything we do